Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. All right. Hi, Wei. Welcome back to the uh, GAIN Service Academy uh, podcast. And uh, today uh, I have the honor of uh, interviewing my co-host, Captain Trish Pendrod, about her experiences uh, going through the process of uh, getting an appointment to the Air Force Academy. So are you ready today, Trish, to talk about your experiences and what you learned from your time uh, as a candidate for the Air Force Academy? Why, yes, sir. Yes, I am. And it's my honor to be able to be here to talk about it. <laughs> right. Well, great. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and uh, sort of what led to your decision to apply to the Air Force Academy. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, am born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. I live, you know, so definitely a Midwest girl. And uh, my story is a little different than most of the, my classmates. A lot of people that I talked to while I was there, you know, they had kind of had their sights set on the Air Force or, you know, service academy or w- even one of the military academies for a long time. And I didn't even know that the Air Force Academy existed until my junior year of high school. So it was a little different in terms of my time frame. But I actually had a friend in high school who told me that he was applying to the Air Force Academy. And I was like, what? And it just kind of <laughs> opened this whole new world of possibilities for me. I was interested in flying and I, I was considering becoming a pilot. So uh, it was just kind of natural for me to go down this route. And I just, I really loved the idea of uh, serving and also, you know, developing leadership skills and leading other people. Um, and the Air Force just kind of uh, came, became a great opportunity as well. I, was, I wanted to do something different, and mm-hmm. all of my classmates in high school were talking about going to Ohio State or you know, staying in Ohio, and there was nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to get out west. Uh, the location of the Air Force Academy really spoke to me, too, since I love the mountains, and you know, definitely not the reason to go there, but... Um, <laughs> My dad also had a few years in the Army um, back in his 20s, so we t- talked about the different uh, branches and the different characteristics of the branches, and the Air Force really just spoke to me. Yeah, well, that's great. Did uh, So was your friend that, that uh, was applying, now was that friend in your same grade, or was, uh, was he in a different grade, or she in a different grade? Yeah, he was in my same grade, so we went through the whole process together, which was pretty nice, you know, because we showed up to our interviews for uh, our state representative on the same day at the same time we both got there together and and we kind of supported each other when other people were applying for college uh traditional college you know i bought my first suit and that was interesting to you know go into my congressional interview your senator interviews with a suit it's very exciting for someone who's never really been through anything like that before no. Did the did your classmate uh, get into the Air Force Academy or uh, not? So he initially did get in, and that was really exciting. We both got a uh, congressional nomination from the same state representative. 
unfortunately, he did not do so well uh, the final semester of his senior year. So the academy actually revoked his admission because he got a D in one of his classes. Oh, so my. definitely uh, worth not getting senioritis your senior year. Wow, that, that's uh, that's uh, that's a good lesson for me. Yeah, it is, and wow. it's a cautionary tale because when I think about him, uh, his parents were both very influential in his decision to apply, and they both had military experience. And I'm not sure that his motivations were really his own. He did end up going to uh, Marion Military Institute for. Uh, two years before reapplying, and he did get accepted, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't get graduate from the Air Force Academy, so he he made it two years, and then in the middle of his junior year, he ended up failing out. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, there's uh, lessons, I guess, to be learned uh, there. Um, I mean, clearly, he was probably a person who probably uh, you know would be able to get through, right? But because of maybe other things and other reasons, maybe he wasn't able to. Absolutely. Yeah. He just, uh, I would say that he was, a, he applied for his parents instead of for himself. Yeah. Good lesson that, that uh, should be come intrinsically rather than extrinsically, as they say, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, when you, uh, when you were your, when in your junior year, when you, you know, decided that you were going to, uh, to apply and and you made that decision when you evaluated yourself at that particular point, did you have all of the things, you know, the scholar athlete leader kind of characteristics that the Academy was looking for? Did you have to bolster your resume a little bit to get ready for the, for your, for, you know, for the process? I was very lucky in the fact that I had most of the prerequisites already. Mm -hmm. I had about a 3.9 GPA. I scored a 32 on my SAT and I, um, was also very heavily involved in sports. So I was my lacrosse team captain. And, uh, thankfully I got involved in lacrosse late in the game, but, um, I had been playing soccer my whole life and I didn't really do so well on that. So, uh, uh, lacrosse was kind of my saving grace when it came to athletics. Yeah. And, uh, I was also pretty heavily involved within the leadership, uh, world. I was doing, I was editor of a literary arts magazine for my high school. And then I also ran some volunteering programs for mostly just, um, youth programs at the Y. Yeah. So I definitely had the leadership experience. Um, the, I'd say the biggest piece that I wish that I, if I could do it again, is I would have gone back and spent more time um, figuring out my motivation for wanting to fly and being trying to immerse myself in aviation more. So I, my pilot or my uncle was a pilot, and he had a huge influence on me uh, in terms of wanting to fly. But I never really spent that much time around planes. I, I should have joined Civil Air Patrol. You know, I could have gotten involved in a lot of different programs that would have kind of given me more of an insight into what the aviation community was like. Right. Maybe educating yourself a little more on those, on those things. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so did, was there any other, well, I guess once you made, once you made the decision that you're going to apply, what then became clear that you needed to prepare for at that point? What, what were the things? Obviously, you were a great scholar athlete leader. 
you know, you maybe wish you had, you know, learned a little bit more about flying in the Air Force, but what, what other things did it become clear that you had to get ready for in order to be successful, uh, to be a successful applicant? I'd say the biggest part of that was the interview process. Mm-hmm. And there's a few different interviews that you go through, you know, if you're going to apply to all three of the possibilities for most of the service academies, which is your congressional representative and your two senators, which I highly recommend uh, applying to all three of those. The senator piece of that is extremely competitive. And I think I've talked a little bit about this before, but I really did shoot myself in the foot in that uh, senator interview. (laughs) 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 You know, because um, one of the questions that they asked me was, why there was a female army major and she asked me, you know, the army actually has more aircraft than the air force. So why don't you want to go into the, to West point? Why aren't you applying to West point? And my dad really influenced me here with talking about the quality of life and how much better that he always (laughs) saw the quality of life with the air force. Uh So I pretty much said quality of life issues, Oh man, not the most political answer. Now, was this with one of your senator? Was this one of the senators or was this with your Congress? Uh, it was the senators. And, and my two senators did their interviews together jointly. Okay. So they uh, they definitely, I think they both crossed me off their list with that one. Oh, so did you, what was the expression on the uh, major's face? Um, pretty much just disappointment and dismissal. <laughs> I don't think she asked me any more questions after that. She was like, all right, next. (laughs) Yeah. So, so if you would be able to do it all over again, you would have maybe done some interview prep, maybe with a uh, military officer or something like that. And I would have thought through those answers and those questions more Mm -hmm. of really besides the quality of life, what was my motivation for the air force, you know, researching the history of the air force and what drew me to that. And also thinking through, you know, going out and actually experiencing some air force, you know, talking to air force officers, talking to air force enlisted personnel, visiting an air force base, talking to air national guard and reservists. And I had those opportunities. I just didn't even consider that. Uh, back then, you know, Dayton was right down the street from us about an hour away. And I, I could have easily, you know, gone out there. It's just didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I know that's what we encourage when we, uh, you know, when we do our, you know, work with our candidates is, is exactly the kind of things that you're talking about there to kind of get grounded uh, in, you know, the Air Force and what is, or, you know, whatever service, you know, you're deciding you, you want to go into. So, yeah, I, uh, I would yeah. say I was a little oblivious about the military culture and the military mindset. I was one of those wide-eyed basics showing up to <laughs> basic training. Like what yeah. have I just gotten myself into? Cause I had really had no idea. Yeah. But you went in front of your uh, representative, uh, representative Deborah Price, and, and you didn't know at the time, right. That she was principal that she designated a principal uh, candidate, right, for our principal nominee, right? That's right. I had no idea. I didn't know what principal or competitive was. And those, you know, understanding the differences between the three options that congressional representatives and senators can can use is, is pretty important for um, based on how you want to present yourself in the interview. Yeah. So if you had known that uh, – 
that she was giving out principal or she was, she designated a principal, how would that, and knowing what you know now, how would that have maybe affected things? I mean, obviously you were the principal, you were lucky enough to be the principal nominee for her, but how might that have affected your preparation if you knew that, that the person who got that principal nomination would be the, you know, the appointee, how might that have changed things for you? I would have spent a lot more time Mm -hmm. preparing for that interview, just knowing that, you know, of the 10 names that she could possibly send in, if she told the Air Force Academy, oh, I'm going to be number one based on being chosen first, that would have changed the whole way I approached the interview. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as long as you're qualified, the Air Force Academy or whichever service academy you're applying to, if the congressional rep or the senator says that you're number one, you're going to get in unless for some reason you're not qualified, which means meeting the basic uh, requirements. Yeah. So what, what's Ohio looking like today as far as uh, how, many, how many of the uh, members of Congress uh, do competitive versus principal versus principal numbered alternates? Yeah. The, there's 15 districts in Ohio, mm-hmm. or 16, excuse me. And uh, the principal, so that number one slot. And then, so for instance, uh, if for principal, of the 10 slots that a co- congressman or a senator can recommend or can give to the service academies, that means that the top one they have to consider first. And then the if they submit nine more names, the service academy can choose if they have more than one opening or if they're on the national waiting list. But uh, Ohio does about 18% of their state representatives use that principal nominee. Mm-hmm. And for the principal with numbered alternates, so one through 10, that is uh, only five, so 31%. And of course, the most, the most popular method is competitive, which competitive makes a lot of sense because it gives the service academies a say, more of a say in who they want to choose. Uh, based on who's qualified, who's the most qualified, instead of what the congressperson or the uh, senator thinks. Yeah. And so I, I, a lot of these, you know, these Congress members of Congress aren't going to tell you how, if they're competitive or principal or principal numbered alternates. So, uh, so sometimes it's hard to get that information. Yes. Yeah, it is. And the only reason I, no, I don't even know if I was a principal or if she used principal with number alternates because they they actually called us, uh, called my dad and, and said that I was their first pick, but they didn't explain which method they used. So that was only after the fact that I found that out. Yeah. And so with our, um, you know, one of the things that we do when we work with candidates is we we figure out whether or not the the uh, member of Congress is does through principal, principal with numbered alternates are competitive. And that does uh, for the people we work with does shape our preparation uh, a bit, because if they're in a district that has principal, we know that, uh, that, uh, you know, that the, that fighting to get that principal nomination is going to be important in, in getting that appointment. And very worth it too. Anything that you can do to you know, posture yourself for that. And it's also interesting too, to, to see how many people are being nominated every Mm -hmm. year in your district. Yeah. So what does it tell you? Like if you're, so let me, let's get, let's give an example here. And I don't think this probably applied to your district, but let's just say the person is, uh, does, 
a competitive nomination, but then you real, but then you have information that only four people were nominated for, uh, say, the Air Force Academy. What does that tell you if they're if it's a competitive district with four people only? Well, it tells me that my chances of getting a nomination from that member of Congress is pretty high, uh-huh. and that there's a much higher chance that I'm going to be the top qualified candidate by the service academy standards versus if there's 10, you know, because I have a one in four shot of being the top qualified candidate versus one in 10. And if there's 10, there's probably a lot of people who aren't making the cut. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You might not, you might uh, be able to, you might not, you might have a difficulty getting a nomination versus if you're four, you know, that pretty much you're, you're pretty much certain of getting a nomination. So, yeah. So yeah, knowing the numbers is, you know, of numbers people that were are nominated like you said, I think is really really important. So how about uh five people nominated with principal? What does that what does that mean as far as uh, a, a strategy goes? Five people with principal. Well, to me that says that there's moderate interest in the service academy, but it's not a super popular uh district. Uh-huh. And the chances of me being able to beat out four other people for that principal nomination to secure the nomination and the appointment are pretty high. Right. And that, uh, to me, means that, uh, you know, it's not up to the academy to choose that number one person. So if you can obviously do very, very well in the interview with your congressman, you're going to get that principal. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, so you can see in these ones that, you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, it, it, you know, that uh, knowing how many people, like you said, uh, uh, are uh, competing for the nomination, as well as how the a member of Congress selects them is going to, uh, you know, is, is I think, going to influence to a degree how serious, not saying that you shouldn't take this interview seriously or anything like that. It's just that, you know, how much is at stake? Yeah, absolutely. That's that an interview. expensive interview. Yeah. So I, yeah, exactly. So I, I found it interesting in your particular case where that, uh, the con that your member of Congress actually sat in on the interview. I thought that was, I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, it was her and two or three other civilians huh. and she didn't really ask questions. She was just kind of there to observe. She might've asked me one or two questions, but, um, I, you know, I got the, the sense from her that she was really, uh, really liked the people aspect of her job. That's so awesome. It was, yeah, it was really unique. Well, maybe because she was, you know, giving out a principal nomination uh, that she wanted to make sure that she knew who the person she was that was giving out the principal to. Yeah, that's very true. You know, versus that. I, I don't even, I, I don't, when I was, when I went in front of mine, I, my district was competitive and I don't even think I even, I, don't, I think he just, my congressman delegated it to, I think, a group of people. So it was a little <laughs> bit different. But I just thought it was kind of cool that she took the time out to do yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder how many people applied in the district. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Well, what is it? What is it today? I mean, what's your district today? As um, far as, uh, it's uh, the 15th district in Ohio is competitive. So, and is it uh, 10? Do they nominate 10 each year usually? You know, I don't. We probably have the data right in front of us here. My guess, they probably do nominate 10. Yeah, just because it's Columbus. Yeah. So I'm wondering why now suddenly it it went from 
to from principal to competitive district. I'm wondering. Well, you know, this was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't want to say how long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so and you, I'm looking at the data right now, and it is it is 10, uh, 10, 10 competitive. Actually, 10 for the Naval Academy and then for the Air Force Academy, eight. Eight? Why only eight? I have no idea. I guess Navy is more popular in the middle of <laughs> landlocked Columbus. Yeah, interesting. So I wonder, so the Naval Academy is how much? 10. Yeah, you think the Air Force Academy would be higher there, but uh, you know that you know people don't. It wanna... is pretty close to the East Coast. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so uh, so interesting. So you know, if you're, uh, and I know we've talked about this in past uh, podcasts about you know your district and things like that. So, so yeah, so then you got the principal uh, nomination. So so how did. So when did this take place and when did you find, when did you get your uh, appointment to the Air Force Academy? What, what time of the year? I found out um, that, you know, I interviewed in the fall, I'd say November. And then I found out pretty early, I want to say around March uh, okay. that I received my appointment. And uh, it was really a really unique experience because I had the best ALO liaison officer. He was incredible. He was a reservist and he'd been doing, he'd been acting as an ALO for um, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was an older gentleman and he was just so helpful and just such a good mentor for me. I just remember my interview with him. He came over to the house and talked with my dad and then talked with me. And he just really inspired me with a lot of his questions that he asked. And then once I received the appointment, uh, both my classmate and I that got accepted together, uh, uh, received the appointment together. He showed up to our high school scholarship ceremony. Nice. And he presented us both with these scholarships, you know, so most, most high schoolers are getting, you know, five, 10, 20,000. And he goes <laughs> up on the stage and he said, $350,000 scholarship. And yeah. Whoa. Yeah. They did the same, they did the same thing with me and, uh, you know, but they didn't realize that also is five years serving on, uh, serving after you. Leave. So Very they don't true. tell you, they don't Very tell you the true. small print there. So I honestly think that's a recruiting pitch for parents in the audience who have younger children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That haven't gotten yeah. to, to high school yet. <laughs> yeah. So good. So the, uh, other things, how about, how about the, uh, how about the candidate fitness assessment? Yeah. I, you know, I really had a great network in high school because I had a, a really neat gym teacher in high school. He was, a former military and he created this gym, uh, program or gym class that you could take. It was called buds and, uh, it was supposed to be modeled after Navy SEALs training. So it was a few days a week and we would just, we would put on, you know, fatigues and we'd go run and we would do dips and pull-ups and push-ups and sit-ups. So because of that, um, he, I asked him to be my CFA, um, facilitator. And, uh, I knew that I was ready because I, the semester had before I had been taking his class. And so his class mm -hmm. kind of whipped me into shape for the CFA. And I remember, um, you know, practicing the basketball throw a lot because I struggled with that more than anything, just because it was so unusual and something that I wasn't used to doing. 
Wow. So was that your, was that in the uh, second semester? Was that in your junior year that you took this uh, class? That was, the, yeah, the um, second semester of my junior year. And then I took the CFA and the right after I started my senior year. Man, it sounds like you had a great high school. I did. I <laughs> and it just like, you know, the the uh everything just kind of fell into place. I got really lucky. Yeah, I mean I yeah, geez, having a having a I think in my high school, people mostly avoided gym classes in general. <laughs> so it's like the, <laughs> I just thought, to my high school. <laughs> I thought Mr. Eagle was the coolest teacher, you know, and he, he kind of looks like Sylvester Stallone. And so uh-huh. it's like very motivating. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, wow. It sounds like just, you know, things just really, um, you know, really just were prepared for you very, very well. So that's, that's, that's awesome. So, and yeah. And, uh, so, um, I'm trying to think of what else to ask you about this as far as like, you know, your experience, uh, you know, um, you know, as far as maybe what you would have done differently, uh, or anything like that. So I just, uh, you know, other just kind of overall observations about the, about the, the process and things like that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, um, I'd highly recommend attending the summer seminar programs that mm-hmm. each of the service academies offer. I didn't do that. Yeah. And I, uh, I wish I had, you know, I don't think it would have changed anything, but who knows if I had gone to the Naval Academy or West Point and, you know, if, if you're interested in more than one service academy, definitely trying to get uh, exposure to as many of the different opportunities that the service academies have. To, to try and see what it's like, especially if you're not coming from a military background and you don't have anyone in your family with military experience. It's, it's a great opportunity that I did not take advantage of. Right. No, that's a great, yeah. The, uh, the summer seminars, yeah, they, they, so they had that when you were going through. Yeah. And they also had a program where you could, uh, spend a day, two days at the, at the air force Academy and you could, you were assigned to a cadet and you would sleep with them in the room. You'd see what mm-hmm. cadet life is like. You go to class with them. So you definitely get exposure and it, it's what class is actually like, which was pretty neat. Yeah. Sort of like the overnights. Uh, that yeah, they, exactly. That they a day in the life. People there. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So you didn't have a chance to do that either. So you did. I you, didn't. First, I didn't. So the and, first time that you stepped foot in the Air Force Academy is when you, uh, when you got there. Yeah, and processing day and basic training. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and good. what a shock for someone who has yeah. not experienced anything like that before. Yeah. So uh, in the end, I mean, you know, it's it worked out for you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you you maybe might have done some, th- some things differently, uh, but in the end it was, uh, you know, it, it looked like things just came up came up really well for you. And so I guess what are the overall takeaways here, you know, regarding kind of what happened with you, you know, in this whole process and maybe just uh, some of the things maybe that, you know, if, if you had had something like what, what uh, is provided safe with uh, what we do uh, that might've helped. Yeah. uh, I was raised to always um, pursue, you know, the best, opportunities that you can and do the best that you can in mm-hmm. everything you do. And that really helped me out because I feel like I did get a late start, but because I had set myself up for success from, from my freshman year, 
I was lucky enough to be able to still make it. If I hadn't put as much of an uh, emphasis on my academics and my athletics, I don't think I would be have, I wouldn't have been accepted. So regardless of whether you know what you want to do, um, when you're in the middle of your high school career, it's, it's just so important to make the best of everything and do the best that you can. That way you don't take any opportunities off the table before you're even interested in them. And, um, it's, I think it's pretty important to start considering, you know, the, your, your, like if you're a good test taker, uh, and, or you're not a good test taker, definitely starting to prepare earlier for your standardized tests that you have to take to, for your entrance, uh, would be one thing. So, you know, you can start preparing your, your sophomore year of high school. You don't have to wait. And, uh, just focusing on your weaknesses, identifying what your weaknesses are in the, uh, scholar athlete leader model. So that way you can build up your portfolio and, and show to the admissions team that even if you do have a weakness, you're working on it and you know about it and you're trying to actively improve. Yeah. Uh, If we, if I had the services that we offer, I would have, uh, Definitely not messed up the interview with the centers. <laughs> and who knows if I would have gotten a nomination from them, but I certainly wouldn't have felt like I put my foot in my mouth. I would have just yeah. been more polished. Yeah, I think um, probably the number one thing you probably would have gotten out of it is uh, at least I think would have been the importance of the interview with your uh, with your house, member of the House of Representatives. Exactly. Yeah, I would have you known know? like, hey, it all it all hinges on this. Yeah, exactly. That she's got a principle and that uh, if you go in there and, you know, with prepared and, and, and all of that, that, uh, that, you know, you could get that principle. Now you, you got it, you know, beside that, but if someone else had come in and realized and had similar credentials that you had yeah, and had realized what was at stake there, that might, that that person might've beat you out for that principle. Another aspect of the process that we haven't really talked about that really impacted me was Dodd-Murb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm not, I can't remember, uh, off the top of my head what the rules are for asthma, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, I was misdiagnosed with sports induced asthma. I think when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I believe it's, um, and, and, uh, I think it's like, if you have asthma and, and, you know, we can, make a correction to this, uh, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and post, uh, the, uh, DOD department of defense, uh, instructions on this, but I think it's, if you have an asthmatic episode after the age of 13, I believe that's disqualifying and that's going to need a uh, waiver from, uh, the air force Academy or any, any Academy. So while you're talking here, I'll look it up. Yeah. So I was 14 or 15 when I was misdiagnosed. I, you know, I just had a really bad, uh, chest congestion going on Mm -hmm. at the time. And I did not realize how big of a deal that would be down the road. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, you know, I was prescribed an inhaler that I never used once. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, so when I was going through the process, I put that down in my, uh, historicals for my medical records. And, uh, of course I was disqualified. Mm -hmm. And so then I went through the waiver process and thankfully they, uh, 
ordered a test where they just test your your CO your O2 lung capacity and I right. passed. Uh, and I thankfully I passed that test. So that was kind of like the saving grace of proving that I didn't actually didn't have asthma. Right. That's right. Yeah. So the um the disqualifying is, is if you have a history of hyper-responsiveness, including asthma, reactive airway disease, exercise and due bronchiospasm after the 13th birthday. So that's disqualifying. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. All of these, you know, types of things that, that can disqualify you, you know, uh, probably having knowledge of that ahead of time uh, might have been, uh, you know, might have been helpful. Yeah, I I wouldn't have been so easy to go along with that doctor's diagnosis when it just didn't make sense. Yeah, so good point, good point, and I'm sure that was uh, somewhat uh, uh, stress stress inducing. Oh yeah, it was very nerve wracking. I was because my dad before I went in, he dropped me off at the appointment. He's like, you know, this is a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar test that we're going through right now, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, thanks, no pressure. Dad. No thanks, pressure. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it worked out, you know, uh, in the end. And, um, Me too. You know, and that's uh, that's great. But, yeah, that's similar to, you know, some other uh, candidates, you know, that, uh, you know, many other candidates who put down yes on that, you know, for, you know, disclosing their, um, their various, uh, you know, uh, medical issues. And then, you know, realizing that they're going to have to go through, you know, either answering some medical questionnaires or giving medical uh, documents to medical records to Dodmerb or to the waiver authority. So, um, so what we'll do is we'll post in the notes here, the uh, DOD uh, it's called the department of defense uh, 6130.03, which is a medical standard for military service appointment enlistment or induction. And, you know, you can see from these, you know, what is, disqualifying. So it can kind of make you aware of what the military is looking for. And the interesting thing about that is just because you're disqualified doesn't mean you won't get a waiver, Mm -hmm. but the waivers change from year to year Mm -hmm. based on the needs of the service. So you're not quite sure what each service is going to offer. And just because they gave waivers last year, doesn't mean that they're going to be providing them this year. Right. Which creates more stress. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So it might um, we have a uh, a podcast episode, a premium podcast episode on the Dodmerk physical that uh, that uh, you know people who are interested may want to um, look at. Uh, that yeah, can we post a link to that in our show notes too? Yeah, sure. Do that and uh, you know, kind of get them to uh, you know, kind of see see uh, you know how to navigate that process. Where I talk to a parent who navigate this process with with uh, his son so interesting uh session well great well great trish it was great you know to kind of uh, talk to you today about you know about these uh you know about your experiences with you know getting into the air force academy and kind of the some of the lessons that you learned um i think you know everybody has their um own um you know experiences and unique experiences um but, uh, and I think we can learn from every one of them, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, so, and I know that, you know, the students that you work with, you know, uh, with the service academies, I don't appreciate, you know, your, you know, your experiences that you bring to the table and, and yeah, what, so they don't make want. the same mistakes I did. Well, that's exactly right. You learn from the people who, you know, were, you know, that got in despite, 
right? Not uh, not knowing exactly. Some of those things and things like exactly. That. So, so great. Well, great, Tristan. Great talking. Looking forward to our uh, next episode here soon. Thanks so much for having me on, Rob. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gain Service Academy Admission Podcast. Connect with us at gainserviceacademyadmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.